Thank you, Brother Shane. Thank you, praise team, instrumentalists. Thank you so much uh, for leading us this morning, worship and song. It is good to start off the year with you. It's good to, uh, to be able to sing songs of praise to God, such true songs, such beautiful words with such meaning. Thankful to be here with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. We're beginning a new series as we, uh, during the month of November, like we normally do, we spent time looking at the Psalms, and then as we got into December, we looked at the Christmas story and the impacts of that and what that means for our life and prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. And, and today we're beginning a new series that will span the month of January and then roll over into most of February as well. And it's about relationships. But really the thrust of it is, what does Scripture say about how we're supposed to relate to other people? So we'll look at some big picture ones, like we'll see this morning, kind of big picture overall, what does Scripture say about ways that we relate to other people. But we'll also see some individual relationships. What does, what does Scripture say to parents? What, do, what does Scripture say to spouses? What does Scripture say about dealing with another Christian that has wronged me or hurt me? What does Scripture say to me about how I should deal with another Christian that I know but that has gone wayward and has left the places that they should be? What does it say about how I relate to my neighbors, to my boss, to the workers that work under me? We're going to look at all of these and we're going to see scriptural teaching about how we deal with these relationships. What sort of things does the Bible tell us? And so I pray that as we go through this series and as we seek to apply these things in our life, that we will have healthier relationships, that we will more clearly display the attributes, the patience, the love, the kindness of God to those people around us. But this morning in Matthew chapter 22, we're going to see what I believe to be the overarching principle for all of our relationships. That if we don't get this one right, then I don't believe it matters how much we focus on any individual relationship or any individual command outside of it. If we don't get this right, I don't think we're going to get the others right. So look with me in Matthew chapter 22. We're going to begin this morning in verse 34. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he, speaking of Jesus, that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And we're going to stop there for right now. We see here Jesus is being tested uh, as this happened as a regular pattern we see in Scripture that people would try and test him. They would ask him questions. Often they were trying to trap him. And this one would have been more difficult seemingly to them than maybe to us because when we're asked what's the most important commandment, we look at this Scripture. Well, at this time the Scripture wasn't written. And so they asked Jesus, and I, I saw this week, by the count of rabbis, I didn't go by and do this on my own, but by the count of Jewish rabbis in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, they say that there are 613 commandments that God gives to his people. And so what these people are asking Jesus here is, is Jesus of the 613 commandments that we find there in the law, which one of those is the most important? Now you can see 
Now, that's a dangerous thing to ask, right? It's like asking a minister of music what's his favorite song. Because no matter what's he pick, what, what he picks, why didn't you pick this one? Why isn't this important? Asking a pastor what's your favorite verse in the Bible, right? Jesus, which one is the most important? But the answer that he gives is a perfect answer, as it is, because Jesus is God. But, but it's sufficient, and we see in other accounts that they were even impressed with his answer, the answer that he gave here. But the answer that he gave goes back to Deuteronomy 6, 5. This is something that they would have known well. That was, that's a, a prayer that's called the Shema, or a recitation, twice a day. Every day, devout Jews would recite that text. The, the answer that Jesus gave, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, that's, that's a direct quote from the Old Testament, and they recited it twice a day, every day, because of how important this idea is. This idea that you and I and that all of God's people, that we should be actively and intently loving God with all that we have, and all that we are. And that's how I like to say that. And you may hear me say that several times today. You may hear me say that other weeks as well. That we should love him. And, and so specifically here we're told with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. We're not going to go into the details of those. The difference in the way that they saw the heart and the soul and the mind. That's a useful endeavor. But for our purposes this morning we're not going to spend time there. What I want you to see, what I want us to grasp is the overarching principle of that. We don't have to break down exactly the, the division between the heart and the soul or the soul and the mind. This is what the, the text is telling us. This is what Jesus is telling us. Everything that you have, everything that you are, should be completely dedicated to showing God that you love Him. And that's point one this morning. We must love God in every way possible. Every way that you can imagine that you might would try to show God that you love Him. Every way that you might try to praise God. Everything that you might use to worship God, you should use for those purposes. Everything. With our emotions, with our thoughts, with our actions, with our interactions with other people. We should be showing God our love for Him and our dedication to Him and, and praising and worshiping Him in our public life and in our private life and with our pastimes and with our businesses and with our money and our finances and the things that we own and the people that we deal with. All of these things, everything that you do every day, you should be doing it in a way that says, Lord, I know what I owe to you. And I know that I will never be able to repay it. But I'm in such deep gratitude to you. I love you so much that I'm trying to do this thing in a way that you've called me to do this thing. Whatever it is, you name it, we should use it in some way to show God that we love him. So this is the most important commandment. That's not coming from me. That's coming directly from Jesus. When they said, what is the most important commandment? He says, the first and greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind in every way possible. I, I think maybe we should be reciting this twice a day as well. might be helpful for us. 
Maybe a practice that you want to take up this year. But this should characterize our lives. And as I thought about this week, one way that I thought about this, I tried to think of an instance of this, like where you might see something similar to this in life. And, and a specific example that came to me was, have any of you ever had like a really big crush on somebody? And then you, start, you started dating that person? And so, so all the time you're just thinking about them, right? Like you see that the leaves are changing and you're thinking, oh, I wonder which color leaf would be their favorite color, right? And it's that, oh, no, you hang up first. Oh, no, you hang up first. That kind of, the kind of, the kind of love for somebody that, that you bring them up in random conversation. You know, you're sitting there with your friends and they say, hey, do you want pepperoni pizza or cheese? And you say, oh, you know, Amanda's favorite pe- type of pizza is pepperoni. And they say, well, that's great, but which kind do you want? You know, you just you look for chances to talk about them because you're just always thinking about them. that's what our lives should look like towards God. People should say, man, Zach just brings up God at the most random times. It's like he can't get God off his mind. Like he just thinks about him day in and day out. Morning, afternoon, and night. He's just thinking about God. And he's just doing things for God. And he just wants to spend time with God. I pray that our lives are characterized that way. People say, it's like Zach's just in love with God. Man, I pray that people would think that as they look at us and as they hear us and as they spend time around us. Because... The scripture is clear about this, not only here, but if you even think back to the Ten Commandments, and you think about the order of the Ten Commandments, right? When, when God's telling him, this is what I expect of you, what does he start out with? You shall have no other gods before me, right? You shall not have any idols, nothing that competes with me. You shall not take my name in vain. He starts out, and it's about how we relate to God how we look at God, where we put God in our lives, the priority that He is in our lives. We see it over and over, and then it's just as clear and plain as possible here. The first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with everything that you have and with everything that you are. So this this point, though, flows directly into the second one whenever Jesus which seems almost like cheating a little bit. They say, what's the most important commandment? And he gives them two, but he can do that. And this first one flows directly into the second one. So there, back in verse 37, he gave the first. He said, he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And then verse 39, he says, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, How helpful for us in a series about relationships that whenever Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment, that he gave two commandments, and they both deal with relationships. Right? The first one was about our relationship with God. It's the most important commandment. Dealing with our relationship with God, making sure that it's correctly oriented. And then the second most important commandment that Jesus gives us is how we relate to other people. Right? That we love our neighbor as ourself. And so obviously this is foundational to this series, but it's foundational in life. Jesus isn't saying these are the two most important commandments for dealing with relationships. He's saying these are the two most important commandments bar none. Above everything else, these are the two most important commandments. And again, this is a teaching that is prioritized 
in the New Testament. This idea of loving your neighbor as yourself, of loving other people, of thinking about them. In John 13, 34 and 35, we read this. It says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And then in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And then in 1 John chapter 4, part of what Brother Shane read earlier and, and earlier than that, verses 7 and 8 say, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And then as Brother Shane read in verse 21, it said, And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Y'all seeing the theme here? Jesus was clear. This is the command, love your brother. If you love God, you will love your brother. But not only your brother, because sometimes that's easy, right? I love, I love my brother. I love other Christians. Brothers and sisters, you follow the Lord, and you have your life oriented in the way that I do. And so sometimes that's easier. But no, he gave us in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, not only that, you've heard people say, love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. But I'm telling, I'm telling you, love your enemies as well. Pray for those who persecute you. So Jesus doesn't leave out any here. Love your brother. Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. We are called to love everyone. But I pray that we don't miss the order of these. Because I believe the order of these is important for more reason than one. The first is you have to love God. You have to love God, and I think we see that clearly from that text in 1 John, because what we see is that our love for God then flows into our love for other people. Right? 1 John chapter 4 said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Brothers and sisters, we see this, that if you do not love God, if you have not experienced God's love, if you do not understand God's love, and whenever I say God's love, I'm talking about the fullness of God's love. It's only experienced through faith in Jesus Christ. Whenever we recognize what He gave up for us, whenever we recognize the lengths that He went to, to redeem us even though there was no reason that he should have, what he did to rescue us even though he should have left us where we were, whenever we have faith in him and we, we feel the freedom that comes with faith in Jesus Christ. And we feel what it feels like to be loved and cared and for someone that doesn't deserve it, that we have peace and joy and hope anyways. When you understand that love, when you understand God's love for you, you love God, and you know His love for you, then you can love other people. But the Scripture's clear. If you don't know God's love, then you can't love other people. Yes, you say, look, I know all kinds of unchristian people that, that love somebody. They may love somebody in a superficial way, right? I know all kinds of people that say that they love somebody, but it's only what they can get out of the relationship. 
right? They, they might say they love somebody, but it's just because that person is helping meet their needs right now, because that person's really nice to them, or that person takes care of them. It's, just, it's a selfish love. It's, it's a love that isn't unconditional, it isn't selfless, it isn't sacrificial. That's the type of love we're talking about here. For you to love like that, to love somebody that you shouldn't even have to love, in order to do that, you have to know God's love. You have to understand God's big, perfect, never-ending, track you down when you're running away, forgive you of your sins, breathe new life into you, and be patient with you over and over and over. You have to know that kind of love before you can love other people. But when you do, it's a whole new world. Because when you know that love, and when you experience that love, and when you feel that love, the scripture's clear, you will then lead. You, you will then love other people. God will lead you to love other people. You can't do it on your own. You can't make yourself be a selfless, loving person. You can't do it. You can't will, a lost person can't will themselves to do it. No, God has to teach you how to do it. God has to show you what it's like. God has to let you experience it before you can give it to somebody else. And that's the progression that we see here. When you know God's love and you love God, that will then overflow into all of your other relationships. And now all of a sudden you will be able to love your neighbor. You'll be able to love your spouse. You'll be able to love your children. You'll be able to love your coworkers the way that you should love them. You'll be able to think about how you would want them to treat you and be able to treat them that way. You'll be able to forgive them even when they don't deserve forgiveness because you've seen what that feels like yourself. Point two is this. If we love God, he will lead us to love others. And again, you see the progression, the flow of the text. If, if, if you love God, he will It's a process. It will happen immediately. He will lead you to love other people. So in my book, we've misnamed something. I just want to give you this. This is extra. Nobody has to pay for this. But in my book, we've misnamed something. Somebody tell me, what is the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? You could rephrase that to be what we have here. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? The same, same principle. I believe we've misnamed it. I believe that Jesus tells us. When they say, Jesus, what is the golden rule? What is first place. He doesn't say do unto others. He doesn't say love your neighbor. He says love the Lord your God. It's the golden rule. It's first place. It's number one. If you're not doing it, you're never going to do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. If you don't love God, you'll never do that. You'll never get there. You may try, you may strive, you may want to, but you won't. But if you love God, and if you know God's love for you, you'll love your enemies and your friends and people that are mean to you and people that love you and care for you, you'll love all of them. How? Because God will lead you to do it. God will teach you how to do it. He will give you the fruits of the Spirit and He will empower you to love other people in a way that they don't deserve. So the last thing, and I do want to make sure that we're clear here. We've already hit it just a little bit, so it won't be long here. But it... You know, the idea here, sometimes we can miss it because in our language it seems different. But in verse 39 it said, And a second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So that means I've got to love Dan and Don like myself. That's my neighbors, right? 
love the softball field like myself, love the cemetery, and the church building. It's my neighbors. It's not what it means, is it? And thankfully, you don't have to ask that question. Somebody else asked that question. Nobody wants to be that guy. But in Luke chapter 10, there was a guy. And so he says to Jesus, he says, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? Jesus tells him the same thing. Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. And then the guy says, who is my neighbor? You know what Jesus told him? The story of the Good Samaritan. He says, that is what loving your neighbor looks like. Anybody that you come into contact with. The word for neighbor means you're near one. Anybody that's close to you, they're sitting next to you, that's your neighbor. They work close to you, you walk by them at the grocery store, you see them at Walmart, you're with them at ball practice, that's your neighbor. Every single one of those people, you're called to love them selflessly. You're called to think about, if I was this guy or if I was this girl, how would I want me to treat me? What would I expect somebody to do for me? And you're supposed to do that for them. And that's point three, the last point. We should selflessly love everyone. You see the difference. When you don't know God's love, you love selfishly. What can other people do for me? When you know God's love, you love selflessly. What can I do to serve other people? How can I help these people? People that have hurt you? Yes. People that are friends? Yes. People that you love? Yes. People that love you? Yes. People that hate you? Yes. All these people, they are your neighbor. You are to love them. You are to intentionally seek out how you can care for those people. You want a picture of what this looks like. And Brother Shane mentioned this earlier as well. You want, a, you want an example of what it looks like to live this sort of life. We have it. We have it in Jesus. We see what it looks like to love people that don't deserve it. John 15, 13 says this, Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. You could say here it's enemies, brothers and sisters. When we were still rebelling against God, Jesus had already died in our place. He had already paid the penalty for our sins. He left heaven, didn't have to, came here. Paul uses it in the book of Philippians and says, Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then he goes through the gospel that Jesus left heaven and came here and humbled himself here and was a servant to people here and cared for people and washed Judas's feet before he betrayed him. Brothers and sisters, Jesus selflessly loved everybody. He selflessly loved you and me when we didn't deserve it. It's the only reason we're here today. Not because we're better than anybody else. We're here because of the grace of God that we've experienced through faith in Jesus Christ. So as we begin this series, I present to you the two most important commandments given to you by Jesus. Love the Lord your God. I ask you this question this morning. Have you experienced this kind of love? When I talk about somebody loving you when you're hard to love, Somebody forgiving you when it was your fault in the first place. Somebody just coming after you while you're trying to run away. 
Somebody being patient with you over and over and over. Have you ever experienced that kind of love? Somebody saying, even though you don't deserve it, come and be adopted into my family. Come and have a seat at my table. Come and have a room in my house. Have you ever experienced that kind of love? Because that's what God offers us through faith in Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian here this morning, you've experienced that kind of love. You've seen what this looks like and you've felt what this feels like to be loved this way. But if you haven't, if you've never truly experienced this, then don't go past here because you'll never be the spouse that you should be. You'll never be the parent or grandparent. That you should, you should never, you'll never be the neighbor or friend or coworker that you should be unless you get this right. This goes in order. And if you don't love God, then you're never going to love other people the way you should. So I ask you, do you love God and do you know that God loves you? But I also ask because I know that, look, it's a rainy Kind of cold Sunday morning, just a couple of days after New Year's Eve, and y'all are here. So I know a lot of you are likely Christians, right? There aren't that many non-Christians that are going to church this morning. So I know that a lot of you probably, you have experienced this kind of love, and you know what God's love is like. But you still say, but you know what, Brother Zach, I find it hard. I want to love other people like I love myself. Right? I, I want to do unto others. I want to love my neighbors. I want to do that, but I find it hard. I find it hard to forgive people when they wrong me. I've tried, and I'm continuing to try, but I find it hard to do. And you're not in some superficial way saying, you're being honest that deep down you want to love other people like this, but you find yourself just being selfish. You find yourself thinking about you more than them, and you say, it's hard. What can I do? And I would say once again, that we just need to go back to the order of the text here. If you're having trouble with the second commandment, then focus more on the first commandment. Because I believe this, that the more that you are with God, the closer you are, the more time you're praying, the more time you're reading the Scripture, the more time you're being influenced by Him, I think the more you're going to be able to love other people. The more that you feel His love for you, the more that you understand His mercy and His grace, the, the closer you get to Him. I find this in my life, that whenever I want to be encouraging, there are a couple of people in this church that I can spend time around, and because of the way they encourage me, it really challenges me to encourage other people more. Right? There are a couple of people that I know that I think they're just really, really good parents, and the more I'm around them, the more I see their example, the more I see how they interact with their kids, it challenges me. It's the same thing with Amanda. I want to be a better husband, and there are a couple of men that when I'm around them and I see how they love and care for their wife, it sets this example. And if you want to be able to love other people more, draw closer to God. Spend more time with the only perfect example that we have. The only one that's ever been a perfect neighbor, been a perfect Husband, been a perfect father. Christ is our husband. We are his wife. We are the church, the bride of Christ. We are sons of God. If you want to know how to do these things perfectly and you find it difficult, draw closer to him. Ask him for help. Look at his example. Think on his love for you. And I do believe that that will then overflow into all your other relationships. I'm going to invite you to stand this morning. And I don't know where you are on this spectrum. You're just now hearing about God's love and you have questions. I would love to answer those questions. You're understanding God's love and you want somebody to pray with you about 
being able to accept it because you don't feel like you deserve it. I'd love to pray with you about that. You're here and you know God's love and you know that you're a Christian, but you find yourself struggling to love others. I'll pray with you about that. You can pray where you are about that. Ask God for help with that. Maybe you're just excited. You're just thankful that God has changed you to be more selfless than you used to be, to love others the way that you do. And maybe sing this morning. Maybe pray and thank Him. But you do whatever the Lord's leading you to as Brother Shane leads us in a hymn of response this morning.